the same Leave me part of my pain But you made a better way I've been saved Goodbye to the sinner I'm held by the Father above No more shame Crawled out of the desert And drowned in the power of love Amazing grace My soul set free Ain't no grave got a hold on me I'm born again, born again Washed by the water I'm clean My eyes have been open, you're showing me all of my love in a new light Every step, every breath, like it's the first time You've got a better way Living me there on my shame Living me part of my pain But you made a better way I've been saved goodbye to the sinner I'm held by the Father above No more shame Crawled out of the desert And drowned in the power of love Amazing grace My soul set free Ain't no grave got a hold on me I'm born again Born again Washed by the water I'm clean Richard told me the good, good The sinner I'm held by the Father above No more shame Crawled out of the desert And drowned in the power of love Amazing grace My soul set free Ain't no grave got a hold on me I'm born again Born again Washed by the water I'm
Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. to our time of communion, I just wanted to talk a little bit about something that I do when I take my communion. I know that uh, a lot of times we can fall into kind of uh, the motions of taking communion. We can. Uh, we listen to the music and it sounds great and then somebody comes up and does communion and we take our, our bread and grape juice <laughs> and then we sit down, we listen to the service. And maybe, to, maybe nowadays, you know, we, we sit in front of our TV and listen to the service and we eat whatever is available. But today when you take communion, I want you to try something for me. 
I want you to say a little prayer before you take it. That's something that I've been doing since I was a kid, and I did it because uh, I just thought that was how you took it. When at the church I came from, um, Dad would always say a prayer before we all partook in communion. Um, any of the elders in the church, people that I look up, I looked up to in the church, would all say prayers before we took communion. So today, when you take it, and you're sitting down on your couch, and you have your you have your food, and you have your drink, whatever it is, um, I want you to say a little prayer. And it doesn't even have to be anything. That's the great thing about prayer is that we don't have to, it doesn't have to be a great show. Oftentimes you can just pray and say, God, you know what's on my heart, please help me out. And that's enough. Really, that's all you need to do. Sometimes I, I don't even have the words to pray and it just, I just say, God, just help me. Listen to my heart. You know what's on my heart. You know what I need right now. John 6, 35 says, For Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not be hungry, and whoever believes in me will not be thirsty. So when you're holding your food and you're about to take it and partake in this communion, I want you to say a prayer, and whatever is on your heart today, whatever inner turmoil you're struggling with, get it out there. Put it on the line. Say a prayer out loud. Say it to yourself. He can hear you when you're praying in your head, all your thoughts. He can hear you as long as you invite him into your heart. So try that for me today. I know there's a lot of things out there in the world happening that people are struggling with and they don't necessarily know how to handle it. And something you can do to help is pray. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Here at Real Life, we're praying for all of you all the time. I know that uh, my wife and I are praying for all of you and we're praying that... Um, Everyone stays safe and healthy so we can get back into this building um, as soon as we can. Um, I thought it'd be nice to record in the foyer, uh, kind of as a, um, a hope, kind of a prayer, I guess. A prayer that this foyer and, um, the, and the, the main room inside will once be filled with people here that are longing for the, the spirit of Jesus to come and fill this place. It's still here. When we come here to record on Sundays, it's still here. Don't worry, when you come back, it'll be just the same. Anyway, I'd like to say a prayer now to kind of help, you know, just kind of push us along into this. Dear God, um, I just want to reach out and I want to, I want to, you know what I want, God. I want you to bless all the people of real life, all the people out there that are struggling, that are in pain. I want you to bless them and put an ease on their heart, put an ease on uh, their suffering and their pain. Um, and for the people out there that maybe are angry and they don't know why and they don't know you, let this be an opportunity for them to get to know you. People that are struggling right now, maybe that the quarantine has not been good on them, that they're falling, that they can feel themselves falling away, that you give them the strength to reach out uh, to anybody. And I hope that they know that anybody that they reach out to here, we will be there to answer. Please just help us to overcome this like we've overcome so much in the past. We're a hardy people, we're a strong people, we're Kansans, we can do this. Um, I know this sounds like rambling God, but you know what's on my heart, you know what's on the heart of all these people, please reach down and offer them some, offer them some peace. In your name we pray, amen. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown. The feet may fail And there I find you in the mystery In oceans deep My faith will stand And I will call upon your name And keep
right now so I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine If Christians gave just this one area, just financially, the way that Jesus would want us to, it would have such 
an amazing effect on the whole world. And I'm not just talking about all the people we could help, you know, and feed and get them the water and everything else. I'm talking about the cynicism that we see towards the church in the United States. Flying out here, person next to me, just, why does he reject God? I've seen it all. My buddy that came with me sat with another guy. Why doesn't that guy believe in God? Same type of thing. Everyone's pointing to these believers who, yeah, he calls himself Christian, but I don't see anything. They don't see a compassion. They don't see a love. They see us say that we hold to certain beliefs and a certain theology, but they don't see us really loving people to the point where we give to them sacrificially. And I think just that one thing because the world loves their money so much that it really is shocking to them and a light to them when they go, you really don't care. You just gave that away joyfully. You really believe you're going to be rewarded in the next life. You know, whether they believe it or not, at least now they're rejecting a, a true example. Um, right now there's just People laugh at what we call church, what we call Christianity. And so if we could get churches to really seek to live out this kind of loving, generous giving, I think it's going to have a huge impact on the world. So Francis says that generosity within the church helps those people outside of the church see Jesus more clearly in us. And we believe that that's true. Generosity isn't just about uh, individual giving fostering this idea of generosity within us that then is visible to those people outside the world uh, or outside the church. And certainly as we uh, give to God through the church, the church then is able to do more for those outside the church and, and to help those inside the church. But as we give to God through the church, it develops greater generosity within us. So we're more generous, not just to God, but to other people as well. And so if you'd like to give today, you can do so on your mobile device or your computer. Just go to reallifecc.us, click on the orange give uh, icon in the bottom right-hand corner, follow the prompts and you're done. Remember, make sure that you're signed in if you're a regular giver, or we'd love to have you set up an account if this is the first time that you've given. However you give, we appreciate your generosity and believe that it is helping others see Jesus in us. So let's pray. God, thanks for giving so much to us and help us to develop this spirit of generosity that, that doesn't just make sure that the church is funded, but helps other people outside the church see you more clearly through us. They see our faith impacting our finances, and that really makes a difference to them. And so thank you, God, for the opportunity to give to support the mission and ministry of this church, but more importantly, to grow this spirit of generosity within us. We pray that that happens in Jesus' name. Amen. So I am not a native Kansan like my wife and her family, but in my 30 plus years here in the Midwest from uh, the greater Northwest, I've learned that you can classify Kansas people into three groups. Um, those who run to the nearest shelter or safest spot in the house when the tornado sirens go off. Those who get upset when the sirens go off because they can't hear their television program clearly. Or lastly, those who think that the sirens are really a starting gun for the best spot on the porch to watch the show. Now, whether it's a tornado siren or a sale at Bob's Barbecue or a global pandemic, a lot can be learned about what we believe or value by watching how we respond to certain events in our lives. The Apostle Paul sums this up pretty well in his letter to the church in Corinth. He said that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who believe it is the power of God. 
So you can see the two responses in that text, that there is foolishness and there's the power of God. And how we respond to that information tells us a lot about what we believe. But even among those who receive the gospel message, our response can be different. Some people receive Jesus, and so they feel like, hey, my eternity is safe, and then they kind of run and hide in their frady hole, and they don't worry about anybody else. They just hunker down. It's like, I'm okay. I'm going to heaven. I'm safe, and the rest of you can, can deal with yourselves. Some people receive Jesus, but then just kind of sit there. Jesus doesn't really have an effect on their lives one way or another after they have, they have come to faith. And so you can't really tell where they stand. But some people receive Jesus and then they run to tell other people what they've discovered, how life is changing from the inside out. They become what we talked about last week, actual witnesses for Jesus. And then others receive and then have the chance to respond to that message themselves. So what you believe about Jesus will determine how you respond to him. The apostle Peter laid this out pretty clearly to the Jews on the day the church was born. Here's what he says. In David was a prophet. And he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he would not be abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor would his body see decay, because God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. He's been exalted to the right hand of God. He's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, last week, we started this series with Jesus laying out the power, the purpose, and the plan for his disciples and really the beginning of the church. And once the disciples received Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they were to become witnesses for Jesus to the whole world, beginning with those that were closest to them. And, and that's exactly what happened, right? The day of Pentecost, the disciples are together. They're praying. They're spending time together. They're waiting for this thing. They don't even know what really is going to happen. And all of a sudden in Acts 2, Holy Spirit comes on these people. And Peter begins to preach. He preaches that, that the kingdom of God has come, that Jesus is the king of that kingdom, that Jesus was killed by the very people that he was preaching to, and, and then that God raised him up from the dead. Now that reality, he says, requires a response. And it's fitting that today we would, just be we would just happen to be talking about the coming of Holy Spirit at Pentecost from Acts chapter 2 when today is Pentecost Sunday 2020. So Pentecost comes seven Sundays after Easter, and that's today. So happy 1,990th birthday to the capital C Church. And since the church began with a message about Jesus and, and then an opportunity and an expectation that people would respond to that message, we're going to... So look, a proper response to Jesus' kingdom gospel is recognizable. Other people should be able to recognize when we've responded to Jesus in a positive way. And really, the survival of the church for the next 2,000 years, if Jesus doesn't return before then, depends on the recognizable response of those in the future who hear the gospel. It's how we as believers respond to the gospel message as witnesses, like Jesus talked about, that opens the door for others to receive and then to respond to that message as well. Fadi, that's not his real name, a former Muslim converted after both the pages of the Bible and in the, action of the actions of the believers who were around him. Now, this is a story that comes from Open Doors USA about the refugees from the wars in Syria and Iraq in 2017. Here's what Fadi said. I read about the teachings of Jesus, the high virtues and values, the high standards that Jesus teaches are the biggest evidence that these are the teachings of God. What also attracted me is the loving environment of the church. 
That is something impossible to find outside, he says. See, if others don't recognize a change in us, why would they ever respond to him? Why would anybody ever respond to Jesus if when we respond to Jesus, there's no recognizable change? You can't tell that we've had an encounter with Jesus. Why would anybody else say, oh yeah, I'm going to give up my Sunday mornings. I'm going to give up some of my finances. I'm going to commit my life to this kingdom that's had absolutely no impact in your life. So let's look today at the response of the very first Christian converts to the very first Christian sermon. And I want to share just the end portion of that um, and what happened after Jesus after Peter preached that first message. And we, we read the end of Peter's message, and now let's continue on in Acts 2. When the people, those who had heard uh, Peter's message, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's you and me, by the way, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now that very first church didn't grow on accident. It, It grew because many of those who received the message responded to it. It was through this progression of responses that Holy Spirit worked and nudged them to take their next step. And there's a pretty logical flow that happens here uh, in the text that mirrors how you and I respond to just about everything in our lives, to natural disasters, to injustice, and even to being in love. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might call this first way that Holy Spirit reacts to us or interacts with us, you might call it just an emotional kind of response. But we can't trust our emotions, and man, we better not be led by our emotions or ruled by them. But on the other hand, as believers... We need to recognize that that Holy Spirit is always working within us to prompt us to get closer to God and to get farther away from the evil things of this world. And so our first response to the gospel is spiritual. It's a spiritual response. It's not visible to other people. It's something that happens inside. Look, when you receive something like maybe a present or uh, somebody says that they love you for the first time, um, or, or maybe it's just the message of Jesus' kingdom gospel. Your first response is going to be spiritual, meaning it's going to be inside. It's going to be, a, maybe you call it a heart thing, okay, or a gut reaction. It's something inside that just clicks. And, and it wasn't clicked a minute ago, but then all of a sudden it, it does. And often it's like a, a light switch. It feels instantaneous within us. It wasn't there a minute ago, and then all of a sudden, it is. You may not have even been thinking about it or, or realized that you were about to fall, let's say, head over heels in love, but then you did, <laughs> and you weren't even expecting it. I think the same thing happens to many people spiritually. Most of us don't spend a lot of time mulling it over and considering every aspect and, and everything. Like, we just come and we hear and then we come back and, and we hear a little more. And then, and then one day is just like, bam, the light goes on and we realize that, man, I, I believe. I believe this stuff that I'm hearing. That's what happened to the first believers. Look at verse 37. As Peter was preaching and pro- proclaiming Jesus' kingdom, even though these same people that he was preaching to had killed Jesus, like they'd literally, not all of them, but some of them, maybe even most of them, had shouted crucify him just 50 days before. Some then had actually seen Jesus alive in the 40 days after his resurrection And now they're listening to Peter speak and to preach. And and they begin to respond to, to Peter's message spiritually. While he's talking, God is doing something through Holy Spirit inside of them. And so when they get to this point that the people say, brothers, what do we do? They looked at Peter and the the disciples. They said, what do we do? Like, 
Look, if you just realized that you yourself shouted to have Jesus, who is God's son, killed, you'd ask the same question. What do we do? Like, what hope is there for us? How do we respond as we just heard that we have killed the Messiah? And so for these people, the switch had gone off. Jesus was telling the truth. He was the son of God and he takes away the sin of the world. And and they were like, okay, what do we do now? Like, we're ready. Like, we believe, what do we do now? When it comes to responding to Jesus' gospel, there is this really odd reality that, that even though everything in your life is exactly the same as it was a moment ago, you are overcome by the realization that everything is now also completely different. So we live in this uh, kind of strange universe where, where everything, like we still get up on Monday or whatever and go to work. We still have the same issues we're dealing with within our family. Maybe we even struggle with some of the same addictions. But at the same time, God is working in us through his spirit. And so we kind of live in both of these places. And it's a little odd. But as you continue to learn to look like Jesus, not only do you see things differently, but the Spirit is going to lead you to respond to the circumstances and situations in your life in different ways. And those next steps are when things begin to really uh, heat up, like, it, like things get real in the next few steps. When your faith begins to impact your decisions in, in real time, like your time management, your relationships, the things you do for for hobbies or for fun, maybe the shows you watch or the, the music you listen to. At this stage, God begins to call you into these deeper waters of of faith, where the next thing that will happen is you'll respond to, to the Spirit's prompt, you'll respond physically. So it's not just this internal thing that God is doing anymore, but all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit working in us begins to affect the decisions that we make, the things we watch and listen to, the people we hang around. It begins to impact physically the world around us and even in a, in a way of faith. Look, once the light of faith comes on, a brand new believer begins to see things in their lives that need to change. And then we respond um, in many cases, and, and in the case of Acts 2, by being baptized. That was a physical response that we take. And you can see that in verse 41, that these people were immersed in and then brought up out of the water to symbolize the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And and through this act, they were not only identified as followers of Jesus, but Peter says that that through it, their sins would be forgiven. Now that day, 3,000 individuals received Jesus and pledged their service, their lives to him by being immersed in his name. And because of that, they were immersed into his kingdom. So think about this. On the very first day of the church, after the, at the conclusion of the very first sermon, preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God, his king Jesus, the death and resurrection of that king to an eternal reign, those who believed that message that very first day received the message and were baptized. It happened immediately. Baptism remains the first physical act of obedience that a new believer takes in their spiritual walk with God. When a person is baptized, it's hard to hide. Like you're stepping out and you're stepping up your faith. You're letting everyone know that you believe the message of Jesus to the point that you're willing to act on it. And that single act sets the stage for the rest of your life because your faith was never intended to be lived in secret. And so as we take that step and as we share that, uh, that, that uh, response to the message of, of being baptized with others, it begins to change things around us. See, we're not to run and hide because, well, I'm going to heaven and so it doesn't matter what happens to anybody else. We're to be Jesus' witnesses to the whole world so that they might hear the message of Jesus and then in the hope that they would respond as we have by accepting him as their personal Lord and Savior. And this is probably the most difficult step of our faith journey. When your social circles begin to be shaken up because you no longer have the same set of values that you once did 
in your previous life. And so as we come to faith, and God does this work in us spiritually, where we come to this place where we believe in Jesus, that he lived and died and, and rose again, that he's coming back someday. And then that faith begins to build up in us so that we take a, steps in the physical world. We begin to change our decisions and the things that we do, um, and, and even to the point of being baptized to say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do this, to be immersed, to, to become a part of Jesus' kingdom. Then that begins to well up even more, and it begins to change things for us socially. And so when you respond to the message of, of Jesus, you begin to make changes socially. It begins to affect a, a broader circle in your life. And that's actually where others begin to take notice of your faith. But it's also when you've got to start making some pretty difficult decisions. If you're going to be a witness for Jesus to the world, you can't accept him and then run to the security of your spiritual Frady hole. You've got to actually stand in your faith in your social circles. And that means you might have to cancel things that you would have normally done so that you could be involved in, in a church or you can serve on a team or you can be involved in kids' ministry. It may mean that you begin to regulate and maybe even eliminate things that, that used to be a regular part of your life, but now you see that they are inconsistent with someone who is a part of the kingdom of Jesus or his witness. For those first believers, it looked like community. First, they devoted themselves to the things of, of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to, to breaking of bread. That's, um, that's communion, what, what we do on Sundays and, and what we did just a little bit ago. And to prayer, they, they prayed together and everybody was filled with awe. And then they devoted themselves to one another. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just talk. We, we read that down here, that they, um, that they met together in the temple courts and they met together with glad and sincere hearts in their homes. They were generous toward one another. They shared with one another and they gave to the church and to each other as there was need and there was means. And they met together daily in the temple, in their homes. They met with sincerity, the Bible says, and with this um, genuinely happy heart. They were glad to be together and to share with each other in this way. Now, because of the people's response to the gospel, they believed, they were baptized, they devoted themselves to God and also to one another. And then they received the favor of all the people. And, and get this, the very last thing, it says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the goal, right? As, as Jesus' witnesses we talked about last week, our purpose is to be witnesses for Jesus, to follow this plan. That as we witness for him, as we follow him, that he brings other people into the kingdom. And so let me say it this way. When we receive what God has for us, and we respond in recognizable ways to other people, then the result is always greater response to Jesus, to the message, and to the world. And so when we receive the message of Jesus ourselves, and, and he begins to work in us spiritually, and then physically, and then socially, as those circles kind of get wider, other people can recognize that there's been a change in our lives. And the result of their recognition of what God is doing in us is that they would respond in the same way to the same God. And so, uh, and so let's break it down this way. You have heard the gospel presented today through the words of Peter. And, and let me just lay them out for you. God's kingdom has begun. That, that's what he started. Look, Jesus came, he died, he rose again. God's kingdom is here and it started. And Jesus is the king of that kingdom. Now, he was dead, and he was buried. Jesus died, and, and everybody thought that was the end of this kingdom. But it wasn't, because God raised him back to life. That's the gospel message that we talk about. That's what Peter, James, and, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's what they were all trying to help us understand. That there's a kingdom of God, that Jesus is the king, that he was dead and buried, but he came back to life, and that means he's an eternal king. And because we recognize this, we understand it, and, and hopefully today you believe it, then we have a response to make. So your next steps are pretty easy. You need to believe, you need to repent, and then you need to follow or obey what God says. 
Now, these are appropriate spiritual, physical, and social responses to King, Jesus' kingdom gospel. Just like those first Christians, your faith journey begins spiritually, or we might say privately. When you begin to uh, believe, and, and then that light switch goes off, and you come to that point where you go, okay, like, like I'm in, I get it, I understand, I maybe don't understand everything, but I understand Jesus and his love for me, and so I'm going. And then you'll begin to make changes in how you live personally. It'll begin to affect, again, the things that you think, the things you do, the things you watch, the things you say. And then as your light begins to shine brighter, it will begin to impact your world socially as a representation of what's been going on kind of behind the scenes in your life. When your faith begins to affect your social interaction, that is when you begin to fulfill your purpose as Jesus' witness to the world. And that's when other people begin to look at you and go, hey, something's different about you. What's going on? You know, this thing used to set you off and, and you'd be angry for hours or, or days or weeks or whatever. And, and now you're getting over that stuff better. What, what's happening? What's changed in your life? Or, or maybe people are calling and going, hey, are you going to come out? Are you going to come hang out or do this or that? And you're like, no, got other things like what's going on? And then you have the opportunity to say, well, look, God's doing some stuff in my life and, and, and my priorities are shifting. See, because of your response to Jesus' kingdom gospel, other people recognize that. They recognize what's going on in your life, and, and then more will receive salvation because you've believed. And, and that's how it's supposed to work. One person affects the people around them, and then they affect more people around them, and, and then more and more people believe in Jesus, just like it was for the disciples, and then for those very first Christians, and for you and I, real faith responds. Real faith responds. And that's the bottom line for our lives. Real faith, real faith doesn't hide. Real faith doesn't run and hide when things get tough. Real faith responds to the message and it takes root in our lives and it begins to show up spiritually as we grow and then, and then, it, and then it shows up physically as we take these physical steps and things like baptism and then it shows socially as other people begin to see. But, but look, if our response to Jesus' kingdom gospel is unrecognizable, meaning other people look at us and they can't tell, that any change has taken place, that, that anything is different in our lives, then our witness for Jesus is wasted. We fail to fulfill our purpose. And if we fail to fulfill our purpose, then we're not fulfilling God's plan. And that's why Jesus gave us his power, the Holy Spirit, in the first place, so that we would have the ability in our lives to be his witnesses to those around us at first and then to the rest of the world. And so today, what is your next step? Is it spiritual? Are you ready today maybe to believe, to begin the process of, of repenting, which just means to, to turn around or to change direction? I was going this way towards hell, and, and now I'm going to go this way towards Jesus and life and hope. Maybe your next step today is physical. And it's time for you to start following Jesus by maybe obeying him in baptism. Maybe you've never done that before. Or maybe it's other areas of your life where, where sin rules and, and you need to like take a firm stand and go, look, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. Maybe the next step is physical for you. Or maybe it's social. Maybe, maybe you need to let the light of Jesus shine out from you to others. And look, the best way to do that, I think, is to be a part of a local church, a local Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Jesus-following church that presents Jesus' kingdom gospel and wins people to him, not just to them. And, and when we come together in that social setting, whether it be in person, you know we haven't had in-person church for uh, about 10 or 11 weeks now, and we're, we're looking at beginning to do that um, maybe in another three weeks or so. Um, but, but the way that we best impact our world socially is when we're connected socially 
to a church, whether in person or online, but a place that we can come and we can share and we can interact a little bit and we can find encouragement when there's more people watching with us or, or present with us. And we can, we can go, hey, look, you know, this person's struggling or that person's struggling and, and, and we're gonna still come together and, and, and we can have greater effectiveness outside of the church when we come together inside the church. You can begin to take your next steps today. And you can do that at reallifecc.us forward slash I'm ready. That's a place where you'll find some information about those next steps that we've talked about. And you can make a decision to, to take one of those steps. There's a short form that you can fill out and let us know. Whatever your next step is, we'd love to help you take it. But you need to understand that the only way we can help you take your next steps is if we know you're ready to do that. And so please um, go to uh, that site, reallifecc.us forward slash I'm ready. Click on the next steps uh, tab at the top of the chat window or, or just start chatting. Uh, say you want prayer or something in the chat window on the um, site and, and we can begin to interact with you and help you take those next steps. And uh, look, if, if you want to go there right now, I won't be mad. Look, we're hoping to begin in-person worship again on June 21st. That's the goal for us, and that's the date. I think we'll have everything settled by then, and we'll have all the precautions in place to, to make that happen so that everybody is comfortable. Because um, you know right now, there's a, a lot of uh, mis understanding, uh, even from our uh, government and the people who are supposed to know. They don't really know what's going on uh, yet. Is it okay? Is it not okay? And, and so we'd rather be um, not just safe than sorry, but um, we'd be we want to make sure that everybody's comfortable when they come back and that we're in a place to actually do church the way that you've expected and, and come to expect us to do church. And so we're planning to open that back up on June 21st. And, um, and look, as we look towards that date, we've got a big mission to help every person possible find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. That's a big mission. In fact, it's too big for us. And so we need your help. We need every person present so that we can help every person possible. And so as we prepare to come back to in-person church, we, we wanna see God working in you um, personally, spiritually, then physically, and then socially. And so we would love to have you be a part of what God is doing here at Real Life. We'd love to have you um, serve on a team, uh, maybe work with our kids. Look, if, if, we don't, um, if we don't help our kids learn about Jesus on their level in a way that makes church fun and engaging for them, where they can build meaningful and lasting relationships, both with people their own age and with people who are older, we haven't just failed the next generation, we failed ourselves. And so we gotta make sure that our kids' ministry is taken care of. And so maybe that's you. Maybe God's calling you to, to serve in that area of ministry. Maybe it's with our, one of our host teams. And so you can welcome those uh, guests and regulars as they come in each Sunday and help them feel welcomed and, and wanted and comfortable here so that the message of Jesus can penetrate their heart and begin to move them to take deeper and greater steps of faith in, in their lives, spiritually, physically, socially. And we can see the kingdom of God grow in that way so that every person possible might find real life in Jesus as we all work to look a little bit more like him each and every day. And so we're looking forward to being in church with you uh, together. We're looking forward to continue being with you online in this way through the online church. We're gonna continue that. And, uh, and um, we're just, man, we're just looking forward to what God is gonna do as we all come back together and we continue to help every person possible find real life in Jesus. I hope you'll join me in that. I hope that you'll make a decision for Jesus and I hope other people will recognize that and then want to be a part of what you have found. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us and for calling us into a, a mission that's bigger than us. And so it takes us all to do that. And, and really, most importantly, it takes us all relying on you and how you're working in and through our lives. And so God, would you, would you help us, forgive us when, when maybe we have 
received your spirit for us and not been willing to share it with others. Forgive us for, for not taking the next step that needs to happen in, in, our, in our faith journey, for not growing in you, but, but simply like going, hey, okay, I'm saved and then that's it. God, help us to be a people that aren't just worried about us, but really want to see every person possible come to know your son, Jesus. And so help us, God, uh, give us wisdom and understanding as we plan to come back and begin in-person worship again. And uh, Father, would you just uh, bind your kingdom together? Look, there's a lot of garbage going on in the world right now. There's a lot of uh, craziness happening, not just with the pandemic, but, um, but, but with racial tensions and, and, and misunderstandings and, and misrepresentations of who we are. God, we as your church need to stand firm in you. We need to love each other and we need to love those who are outside the church. And we need to express that love in meaningful and recognizable ways. Because look, our, our government and our legislature and rules and laws, they are not going to help what's going on here. The only thing that will help us in our nation and in our world today is a change of heart. As we come to know you and your love works through us and we begin to change our decision-making processes and then change how we function socially with others. We begin to love other people the way that you do. And so help us to do that, God, so that we can change our homes, we change our neighborhoods and our cities and our states, our country, and then the world. That's the plan that you've given us. The purpose for our lives is to be witnesses for you. And so help us to do that, God. Help our response to you be recognizable to the world. Real faith, respond. In Jesus' name, amen. I was down on my leg, I was sick, I was running around broken hearted. I was thinking so fast, I couldn't last, falling apart. And you could have run away, leaving me down my shame. Leaving me by no thing, but you made a better way. I've been saved, goodbye to the sinner, I'm held by the Father above. No more shame, crawled out of the desert and drowned in the power of love. Amazing grace, my soul set free, ain't no grave got a hold on me. I'm born again, born again, washed by the water Open, you're showing me all of my love in a new life Every step, every breath, like it's the first time You could have run away, leaving me down with shame Leaving me part of my pain, but you made a better way I've been saved, goodbye to the sinner I'm held by the Father above No more shame, crawled out of the desert And drowned in the power of love Amazing grace, my soul set free Ain't no grave got a hold on me I'm born again, born again Once by the water I'm clean Preacher told me the good, good news Told me the good, good news. Ever since my heart met you, I've been saved. Goodbye to the sinner, I'm held by the Father above. No more shame, crawled out of the desert and drowned in the power of love. Amazing grace, my soul set free. Ain't no grave got a hold on me I'm born again, born again Washed by the water I'm clean Amazing grace, my soul set free Ain't no grave got a hold on me I'm born again 